for us, every decision we make has to be very intentional about obviously the sourcing to the packaging to even the way that we structure obviously our team and how we execute the food. Um, and with that, we hope to unlock really like the culinary leaders of tomorrow. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give Innovation. I am joined today by Kristen Barnett. She is the founder and CEO of Hungry House, a recently launched ghost kitchen with a twist based in Brooklyn. She's a lecturer at Cornell, the former COO at Zool, BCG consultant with over a decade of hospitality experience. And she is more than just a great leader and inspirational person. She is sharp. Here's a fun fact about Kristen. You ready for this? She scored in on her SATs in the 99th point, 99.1397th percentile uh, <laughs> of her score. So she is a brainiac as well. Oh. Kristen, thanks for joining us on Give Innovation today. Zach, you have done your research. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I know. My, my question is, what, what book did you read this morning? Because I'm assuming that you must have like finished one start to start to finish. <laughs> Unfortunately, with my schedule these days, reading a book is, is not in the agenda, but. <laughs> uh, so basically just war and peace. So it was a, it was a light, light read this light morning. Um, so Kristen, really excited about your launch of Hungry House. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about what that is? What is the twist to it? Uh, we, yeah. we hear a lot about ghost kitchens, but what you're doing sounds uh, pretty unique. Absolutely. So obviously the ghost kitchen industry has evolved a lot over the last three years, the last year and a half with the pandemic, of course. And for me, you know, I felt watching the concepts that were being created throughout this rise of the virtual brand model and the ghost kitchens that are executing them, a lot of the food and a lot of the offering was relegated to more of a commoditized kind of lower quality, ultra scalable, likely a frozen type of product. And for me, I am obviously so excited about what technology can offer for innovation for the industry. But I did feel that a whole swath of culinary talent in the United States is probably looking at the ghost kitchen model and saying, that doesn't really seem like it would be a good fit for me or my brand. Uh So seeing this evolve, you know, I kept thinking about, well, what if there was an operator that understood, you know, what it meant to maybe source from quality suppliers and work with farms and things that a lot of chefs really do care about. And so from that idea, um, Hungry House was born. And what we want to do is partner with uh, amazing up and coming chefs who have, you know, media presence, they're building a brand, they're, you know, working on really interesting recipes, probably sharing it to their following, but don't necessarily have the right operating partner and are unsure where to scale their business and make sure that they can monetize their following. And so we want to be that partner of choice. And so for us, every decision we make has to be very intentional about obviously the sourcing to the packaging to even the way that we structure obviously our team and how we execute the food. 
Um, and with that, we hope to unlock really like the culinary leaders of tomorrow as being like core partners for what Hungry House will be to buy those products and but those chefs you know they wouldn't go with the traditional virtual brand model as you said right. the virtual brands are meant to be very efficient when it comes to space and easy to execute so that obviously a team if they're already focusing on a core menu can easily add in incremental menu items that they can sell to further optimize that kitchen so what we're doing is just saying, you know, actually Hungry House's core mission is to execute the menus of our partners. And with that dedicated focus, we can bring to it a whole new level of supply chain, ingredient complexity, um, and just general execution, uh, since that is what our team is so motivated by and excited about. It's bringing to life these new concepts that we think should exist in the world. Well, and then the cool aspect is you get the halo effect, right? Because as, as we talked before about this, you're going to be rotating, right? So Hungry Howie's yeah. isn't a set menu the entire time, right? There's, there's going to be right. the evolving menu based on the chefs and um, ingredients that are available and things like that. Yeah. Is, that are, is there any aspect of Hungry Howie's that is set where like, I can always get the Hungry Howie's salad? <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, we'll see based on how things obviously perform for us, you know, our whole, our whole model supports a variety of goals that a given brand or chef might have for their business, because it is modular in the sense that Hungry House itself is hosting their brand, their like limited set of menu items on our native platform. We could theoretically go ahead and work with maybe an amazing CPG brand and a great chef to launch a single item as an activation, more of like an experiential initiative for those brands involved. Hungry House season one, what we're doing is we're obviously partnering with a number of amazing chefs and restaurateurs to offer a wide variety of cuisines, Filipino, smash burgers, Caribbean. Um, it's going to be delicious. But then, you know, some of them also might have different projects that they're going to take on. We could have openings in our kitchens. And then what that allows us to do is welcome a new brand partnership for season two, debut it, and ideally tell that story uh, to keep our customers engaged. They probably want something new anyways. Uh, you always typically look for rotation in your menu to keep guests coming back or have a reason to talk to them. Yeah. And we feel like our model can really help us and also the brands that we work with speak to their customers in a new way, um, you know, obviously based on whatever we're launching. Um, okay. So how do you find the chefs that are going to be uh, featured at Hungry House? Yeah. So the chef selection part primarily is just through um, obviously the strength of the New York food community. Um, it's been really incredible for me to go back to chefs that I've admired for so long, maybe like, you know, done an event with them or spoke on a panel with them. And I've been able to say, Hey, like I have a really incredible idea for you to expand your brand and, you know, kind of launch in a new way. So that's been primarily the way that we've sought out partnerships. Mm -hmm. I really view my role, um, obviously a, with hungry house as making very intentional decisions about who we feature and why for each of our seasons. I really look at this as an opportunity to tell certain stories. And so for me, it's incredible to be able to go to a restaurateur like Martha Hoover based out in Indiana, who is a true pioneer of like 
farm to table food, um, who's been in the business for like 30 years at this point and say, you know, I can finally be a partner to launch one of your concepts in New York that, you know, she's obviously been dying to expand, you know, to go to a friend like Ralston Williams, this Caribbean chef, who's a regular on the Bon Appetit video channel, a real voice for Caribbean cuisine. He's from St. Vincent and the Grenadines Mm. and just be able to say like, Hey, we think you'd be a great fit for Hungry House. We can take over the whole operations end to end cooking. We can feature it on our tech platform and really take this concept from A to Z to market and hopefully connect it with a number of hungry consumers who've been waiting to buy it. Yeah. And that's so cool because there's all these chefs all over the world and there's just so many people there in New York that, you know, are, are foodies, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I do a restaurant tour in most cities, it's like, I'll go to three or four restaurants in an evening in New York. Last time I went there, I went to 13 restaurants and they just, (laughs) every single one got better. And I think that's, that's really cool that you're able to uh, take these unique chefs and unique concepts from all around the country and bring them in and let people get that flavor and really let these chefs then for them, it's great because they get to test out the New York market, right? They get to test out how things are going. And absolutely. Yeah. I love that idea. I mean, like really ultimately this is supposed to be like a testing ground for understanding how to really commercialize your brand and maybe the recipes that you're known for, maybe only in a digital sense, but then consumers could actually try it out. I feel like for up and coming chefs, that gap between you know, doing really great cooking, potentially having some junior leadership positions at restaurants, maybe building a following online um, and establishing a reputation to jump to brick and mortar is huge. It's a different skill set. And, you know, if you're really great at storytelling, you then operating restaurant being there, you know, a hundred hours a week or whatever it ends up being is like a hard sell compared to like what you're doing when you're maybe in the zone, like, you know, taking an amazing video, of whatever you're cooking and engaging with people. So we want to be able to bridge that gap for, I feel like tomorrow's chef creators who are going to hold captive the attention of tomorrow's consumers. And so Hungry House's entire mission is to make sure that we are seeking out and partnering with the greatest minds in really the culinary sector that are thinking innovatively about the nature of food and, you know, are looking for a platform to tell it. Love that. Now, now speaking about ghost kitchens more broadly, what are some mistakes that a lot of restaurants are making in the ghost kitchen space? They're saying, Hey, uh, maybe, maybe they're afraid to go in because they they're not sure about it. What are some things that you can what, what advice do you have for them to avoid some common pitfalls? Yeah, absolutely. So the ghost kitchen model is, is really interesting. There are so many different ways to really um, to go after and build a ghost kitchen. One thing that we've definitely seen, I've seen in my, my career is that restaurants will go into a ghost kitchen facility and uh, and then be exclusively reliant on the third-party delivery apps, not really having developed a full native strategy to drive customers into their website and then their native sales channel, whatever program they're using for online ordering. And that becomes a real challenge if you are solely using the third-party platforms for discovery, which is usually their pitch to restaurants. Now, that could be fine if you're operating with a brick and mortar because it's all incremental revenue. 
But in the ghost kitchen model, that falls out. And some ghost kitchen facilities also don't offer pickup as a sales channel. So you're working pretty much exclusively with revenue that's coming in with a 30% commission. That can be really challenging. And I don't think restaurants should underestimate the length of time that it takes to build a native channel in a new market where you don't have a storefront. Yeah. The storefront is often underestimated in terms of how important that is from a marketing perspective. And so those factors, I feel like, should be heavily considered when thinking about a ghost kitchen facility operating model. Now, otherwise, you know, obviously, the other form of a ghost kitchen is just creating brands yourself and launching them out of your kitchen or partnering with national celebrity-backed virtual brands for incremental revenue. Those national celebrity-backed virtual brands are incremental revenue, but of course, come with usually a 45% commission attached. So you've got to watch really how much of your revenue is coming from that channel, not to mention the extra inventory you're holding. There are costs associated. So it sounds really nice, but it's always worth a second look on the impact to your model and making sure that it still makes sense. And really the, the final piece that I often see is that restaurants will create their own virtual brands, right? But mm -hmm. what's so important is, again, that marketing and awareness that is critical to helping a customer understand why they should buy from you. It's part of the reason why we partner with chefs that are very much in the like food and media world, um, doing like really engaging on social media and online with great content, because you need to have a marketing channel, you need to have a presence. And so I've also seen challenges when you are just launching a great virtual brand, maybe amazing product. But again, that customer awareness is the piece that really needs to be considered. Yeah, I think that's such a great point because location, location, location. And what that means, what it used to mean is what are your street corners? And what it means yeah. now are the first location is the physical location. The second location is the awareness location online. Yeah. And the third location is digital. Like you yeah. have to have the locations, but that means that you've got to, you, you got to make sure yeah. that you still have that physical presence so people can see it, but that they, they, you discover them. They don't, they yeah. don't just discover you. You have to discover them and then you make it easy yeah. for them to order and to reorder from you directly. Right. Absolutely. I, I feel like an important point there is that interaction between like the digital real estate and the physical real estate. And so you could theoretically have a really sharp digital real estate strategy. I mean, we could call it that, but it's really social media marketing, yep. however yep. else you're doing PR and blasting this out into the ether. But at the same time, I do think there is something tangible that customers usually look for when it's food, right? They really care about where it's coming from. They want right. to know it's a real person making it. I often make the comparison that, you know, it's very, it's very different to buy food from, let's say, an influencer on the internet, um, not knowing where it comes from versus buying a shirt because you don't have to eat your shirt, right? It's not. <laughs> and so the stakes are a little different and people are risk averse with their money when it comes to spending on food because if you don't like it, you will go hungry, right? Yeah. And so there are all those elements, as you're saying, of like building this ecosystem that encourages the customer 
to um, trust you as a brand if you are creating something in the virtual space. And that can be done through having a storefront and other reference points throughout the whole customer journey that says, this is real, the food is good, people have tried it and they've liked it. Yeah, totally. So what do you feel like is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Oh, I mean, I would say the most important aspect is the genuine connection and like authenticity um, yeah. that you can have throughout the, the guest experience. Things like the the handwritten note or just a personal um a personal touch when you're dining at a restaurant or even like when you're commenting on Google and the owner responds and says, thank you so much for your review. And that could even happen on an Instagram comment. It's really saying, Hey, there's a real human behind this. We care about you. And that type of engagement creates those authentic connections where you say, Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I just had such a great time, you know, or whatever. That person was so nice. That's where you can really win the war when it comes to the attention of a consumer and where they ultimately convert. Because the greatest human desire is, is the desire to feel important. And Absolutely. If, and if you could do that in a digital way, then then great. And there's yeah. uh, and and quite frankly, not just if you can do it, but you have to do it in a digital way yeah. now. And and it's not saying that you need to automate your entire guest experience because you can't take the humanity out of hospitality, but it's yeah. about utilizing the technology to enhance that, to augment it, to make sure that you are touching every guest and, yeah. and the tables that you're touching, it's no longer in your dining room, but it's in their living room. Yeah. It's in their office. And, and that's really yeah. key to, to enable that, uh, that conversation that, Absolutely. I always say um, for Hungry House, our perspective is that, yes, we're technology powered, but we're hospitality driven. And so what that that. means is there is the layer on top of the tech that we're using to enable every corner of our business from the KDS to the kiosk ordering to our website and how we do pickup and delivery. Obviously, technology flows throughout, but hospitality is always that intangible touch where you feel like, oh, like this is special. So what are those moments, right? And so it's about making strategic investments on the moments that matter, whether it be the way that you send a follow-up email after the order was delivered, or you encourage them through a note to um, get in touch if there were any issues, or just even saying thank you for your order. It's these things that are the, this was special, moments that I think are so important to create, even if end to end, you're completely technology powered. Totally. Now working with all of these restaurants and successful chefs, what what are some successful things that you've seen in the industry lately? So some successful things that I feel like I've seen in the industry when it comes to the actual um, guest experience is one, Nami Nori is an incredible restaurant here in New York. They have um, they do sushi and so they do delivery and the packaging is actually exceptional. Um, it really feels thoughtful because it's customized to the actual nature of like the hand rolls that you're receiving. And so that type of investment makes you really understand the brand through and through. Um, other things that I feel like I've seen that are really successful in the industry that are happening and that I'm following really closely is really the rise of the Instagram pop-up for chefs Mm -hmm. as like a tool of innovation, as a tool to test new menu items and a way to create that type of engagement and exclusivity with a brand. 
So I feel like that restaurants and chefs that are exploring, you know, Instagram communication to sell new menu items or try something else out or do a collaboration. I've seen that be really successful in terms of the type of engagement they get with a local community, which is obviously like the dream of any restaurant. Totally. I mean, it still harkens back to the basics of a restaurant. And just because things have gone digital doesn't mean hospitality is dead. Right. And it's still about that community. It's still about that excitement about um, how do you, how do you drive people in? How do you do, what, what is an LTO? Yeah. And it might, LTOs have kind of expanded what that could mean, right? In, in your yeah. case, an LTO could be a totally new chef, which is pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. It's, it's been fun to watch. And, and like here in Brooklyn, you know, one other great example that I just think anyone should pay attention to is um, Edie's Grocer in Greenpoint. Uh, It's this incredible place where the chef and owner is always making these lovely Instagram videos, you know, talking about the um, spices that are going into the various dishes, why he makes something a certain way. It's educational. It's fun. It's light. It's just like amazing content casually made in his actual storefront. And I find myself watching it all the time. And I just think it's a really um, personable way to connect with people that, you know, I, I feel connected to the business and obviously think what he's doing is great. Awesome. Well, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today? Who's someone that we should be following? Oh my, um, you know, one, one restaurant chain that I feel like I follow and am so, um, impressed by with all of the decisions they make is probably everything going on with just salad at the moment with Nick oh, Renner. Yeah. I think that their focus on sustainability has been absolutely unwavering in throughout the brand's entire development, everything from piloting their reusable containers way before we were having conversation on closed loop and reusables to now, obviously, all their focus on carbon neutrality, even just the labeling of their dishes and seeing that flow through everything from the in-store experience to even how they design their technology and the way you ultimately purchase the items online is just incredible to see it like evolve and they deserve a huge kudos. Awesome. Well, Kristen, how do people find you, follow you in your brand? So you can find us on Instagram at, at order hungry house. Um, otherwise you can also, uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm always, you know, looking to connect with new people in the industry. Um, if, you know, obviously if there are any amazing chefs, I'm always on the lookout for someone great to partner with as we open up future seasons, um, in the growth of hungry house. Well, Kristen, for inspiring us to think differently about ghost kitchens and for being yet another example of the nerd to boss story arc, today's (laughs) ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on given ovation. Thank you, Zach. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe, and as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.